back when Jenny and I could actually get a TV signal, because we used rabbit ears, and then somewhere along the way, the government decided it would be a great idea to go digital, and now we don't get TV at all. But back when we could get TV, I loved watching Dateline NBC. Oh, it's the best show ever, because let me see if I can get the voice right. This Friday on Dateline, the frightening truth about teeth whiteners, what your dentist isn't telling you. And, and then you'd go into the story. We went to 14 dental clinics throughout the Midwest and found that the uh, cadmium cleaning agent is actually an EPA unhealthy thing. You know, blah, what? My dentist is killing me. You know, and uh, other stories. This Friday on Dateline, just how four cups of coffee a day can actually lower your IQ. Oh, I drink six. Or what you don't know about your city's water supply. Yeah, when I say that to Mike Lesage, who manages the city's water supply, he says, you're not kidding. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, Mike. But fear, fear gets you and me to tune into the TV. I love uh, Bob Garfield, who is a reporter for the Times Network, has tracked uh, articles, health articles in major, major publications, and he has discovered that 75 million Americans are obese. 59 million Americans have heart disease. 53 million Americans suffer regularly from migraines. 25 million Americans have osteoporosis. You know what that is? It's like the brittle bone thing. You kind of walk like Max, only you're older. All right? 14 million Americans will be diagnosed with cancer this year. Isn't this uplifting? Two million Americans have severe brain disorder. In total, 543 million Americans are thought to be suffering from a major disease or illness. Now, for those of you to know how important this is, you should know that America only has 310 Americans. If you were, uh, Fox News would conclude this, we have 231 million Canadians and Mexicans coming into the country illegally and clogging our hospitals and doctor things so that it inflates that number artificially. Um, fear, fear is everywhere. Fear is behind the phrase at risk. When you're watching the news or when you're reading article reports, we're a nation at risk. Our schools are at risk. Um, our ability as Americans to innovate is at risk. Um, uh, churches are at risk. We're at risk of becoming like Europe. We're at risk of losing our engineering jobs. Everywhere you go, it's at risk. Fear, anxiety, and worry. And that's just on the news, right? That's not even in your world or my world, which is, does this outfit work? Is my hair okay? Um, will I ever get to marry the right person? Will I even meet the right person? Or will they be an axe murderer? You know, and you're always worried about those things. Are the kids doing okay at school? They don't seem to be eating the lunches that I'm packing. I'm worried. Do they even eat the lunch that the lunch ladies make? I mean, I don't know. I don't see their plate when it's done. They come home. They're hungry. Are they eating anything? Are they eating the right things? Um, and I talked about this at the beginning of the month. If you're a parent on prom night, those loaded questions, you're going to be okay tonight, right, honey? You're going to call me if you feel pressured into anything. <gasps> fear, you know, fear, okay? Um, am I ever going to retire? Will my health hold out? Am I getting fat? Do you think I look fat? I mean, there's all these things that clog our minds, the anxiety and fears that we have. It's no wonder Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, you and I would go, amen, Jesus, preach it, woo! And he could, because in this world, you will have trouble. Uh, I brought along, in case those of you can't figure this out, how you can tell when it's going to be a rotten day. 
I found this eminently helpful. I got this off the internet, and everything on the internet is true. And so I printed this off. It's not? Okay. How you can tell when it's going to be a rotten day? You wake up face down on the pavement. It's going to be a bad day. You put your bra on backwards, and it fits better. You call suicide, pre- <laughs> you call suicide prevention, and they put you on hold. You arrive at work and see the 60 Minutes news team outside your boss's office. Not going to be a good day. Uh, uh, Your twin sister forgot your birthday. Not going to be a good day. Uh, You wake up and your braces are locked together. (laughs) You know, um, uh, this is my favorite you're single, you're in the marketplace, a colleague at work, Scott, I know the perfect person, I've got them, this is going to set you up on a blind date, you show up and it's your ex. It's not going to be a good day, okay? Your pet rock snaps at you, you put both contact lenses in the same eye. I mean, these are all things that are indicators it's not going to be a good day. At the end of the day, fear, fear can ruin everything, can it? I mean, it churns up your stomach, it gets your wheels in your mind fretting, and at the end of the day, fear is ultimately a concern that God cannot be counted on. And fear has the potential to keep you and me from experiencing God's best. Fear has the potential to actually make you and me sick. Fear can do that, can it? Um, Jesus understood this about fear, and so I'm going to revisit the passage that we were in in, uh, on November 6th, and then we're going to look at another one to look at another uh, angle and aspect of that. So today, we're going to look in Matthew 6. That's one of the passages we're going to be in. Matthew 6, and this is going to be review for a lot of you. For some of you, it'll be new. Matthew 6, verse 25. Jesus says this. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Boom, there it is in black and white. What? See, I don't know if you ever get angry, but I sometimes get angry or happy or fearful or, I mean, you know, all these things come, emotions come over me. You can't, ha- you can't control emotions. They happen, right? You know this. You can control what you do with them and where you take them, but emotions kind of just happen. They, they're, they're thrust upon you. But Jesus says here that worrying is actually something that's within your power and my power to do or not do. And so he puts it in the form of a command, don't worry. And the reason he gives there is he says, you know, God's given you a body. God's given you life. And at the end of the day, when your life and your body are on the line, that's what you care about most. All the other stuff you're fretting about, is my hair okay? I mean, does this, all that stuff goes off and it doesn't matter anymore. And so Jesus says, God's given you the things you care about the most when it matters most. And so don't worry. And then uh, let's go down to verse uh, 27. He says this, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? It's a rhetorical question. The answer, of course, is no. This is the, uh, this is, uh, the, the second reason we shouldn't worry and we should trust God. Worry doesn't work. It has no practical value. It cannot do anything for you. And you're like, amen. In fact, what worrying can do is it can make you sick. It can cause you to call your doctor. It can cause... I've seen people actually take Pepto-Bismol bottles and drink the bottle. <laughs> Is that really good for you to drink the whole bottle? I didn't think so. Okay, but, you know, that's pink from the inside out or the purple pill. I mean, okay, there's all... Worrying can make you and I sick. We weren't created to worry. 
Uh, let's go down to verses 28 and following. And Jesus says this, Why worry about your clothing? I know some of you parents of teenagers are like wanting to elbow them right now, okay? Why worry about your clothing? Mom, you don't understand, okay? Look at the lilies of the field or how they grow, Jesus says. They don't work or make their clothing, and yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Here's the third reason Jesus gives why you and I should stop worrying and trust God. God provides. If God cares about the flowers and provides for them, he's going to care for you and provide for you. And I know some of us struggle with that. And if you're struggling with that today, I want to know, I understand, I get that. And we'll get into that in a minute. But the truth of the matter is, according to Jesus, God actually cares. And he's watching you, he's with you, and he wants to provide what you need today. All right, let's, let's keep going. Verses 31 and, 30, uh, 31 and following. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. When Jesus says this in 31, don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Worrying is actually an act of atheism. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. When you and I are worrying and fretting about the payment that's due at the end of the month, when you and I are worrying and fretting about the uh, diagnosis from the doctor, when you and I are worrying about these things that sometimes are out of our control, in essence what we're saying is, God, you're not part of the picture. We can't count on you to provide what we need. And so, in a sense, in a very real way, it's atheism in action. It's unchristian. Um, but Jesus has this promise at the end of it. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you what you need. There's a promise with a conditional clause. If you'll be about my needs in advancing God's kingdom, I'll be about your needs. Now, does this mean, I know for the kid in you, right? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I so need a plasma TV this Christmas, Jesus. If you would just, you know, okay, right. It doesn't mean you get everything you want, right? But it does mean that we can count on God, that God has our concerns and our needs at the top of his priority list, in a sense. Um, and then Jesus closes it out in verse 34, and he says, Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Meet today's problems with today's strength, and today's faith. And let the end of the week, let the end of the month, let the end of the year take care of itself. Worry, in a sense, don't worry. Just focus on today and what today's issues are and what today's needs are and allow God to provide for today. This entire section of chapter 6 actually follows a, a section where Jesus is talking about money and possessions. And he's saying, basically, don't store up treasures on earth Store them up in heaven. In other words, be generous with what God's put in your hands. Leverage it for your future in heaven. And he knows that in saying that, you and I and everyone else would go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Jesus. If I'm generous and if I lend my car out to someone, they could wreck it. If I give away money to someone in need or I'm putting stuff in the church's offering plate or box or whatnot, I may not have enough at the end of the month. And Jesus is wanting to address that, and that's why this passage is right here after the one on generosity, because he knows there's two kind of mindsets at play. One is a mindset of scarcity, 
And one is a mindset of abundance. And I want to talk about those for a moment. And I want to talk about them then in terms of relationships. All right? A scarcity mindset is a belief that you only have a limited amount of something. And every time you use it or, or give it away, you have a little less. The pie is always shrinking with a scarcity mindset. With an abundance mindset, it's different. It's, this is the mindset that Jesus advocates in Matthew. An abundance mindset says that when you give something, when you share something, there's always going to be another slice of pie. Don't know how, don't know when, but there's, always, there's, there's, there's room. Come on. There's another piece. There's another piece. There's always another piece of the pie in an abundance mindset. The apostle John takes these two mindsets that Jesus is talking about in terms of money, and he talks about them in terms of relationships. And he does that in 1 John. I don't want you to flip there, but I'm going to read this little section. John says this, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we've not fully experienced God's perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. John is saying, fear and love are mutually exclusive. Fear will drive love out, and love will drive fear out. This plays out in our relationships. When you're married and you've got that spouse, and you're like, you're fearful in the relationship, and you find yourself, if you can answer the rest of this statement, then you know there's some fear in the relationship. I'd love my spouse more, but... You know, I'd love my spouse more, but when I do, they just walk right over me. Or they don't ever, they're not attentive to my needs. When I, I would love my spouse more. I would love my mother, my mother-in-law more. But, and maybe there's a list of reasons why you don't trust your mother-in-law, why your mother's or mother-in-law is not going to reciprocate. And some of you are like, amen. <laughs> okay? But in Jesus' economy, love isn't a reciprocal thing. We love because God loves us first. And that's the argument that John makes in this passage of, of, of Scripture. So scarcity fuels fear, but abundance fuels love. And so I wanted you to see a connection today. It's not just about money or stuff or everyday worries. Fear actually in the context of your relationships can be a destructive thing as well. It doesn't pay to be fearful or a worrywart. It really doesn't because it... it, it uh, it's that ever-shrinking piece of the pie. I've come to find in my own life and, in the, and as a life as a Jesus follower and as a pastor that there really is always another slice. God's resources are limitless. And when you put God first, it's amazing how that happens. I've learned it with my money. Um, I've told you the story before about how when I had a brand new car, the first time I ever had a brand new car, I lent it out to a friend. And I was so, I was like, he's going to, because my friend was just messy with cars, and I was afraid he was going to mess it up and trash it because he would open the car door and literally McDonald's stuff would roll out onto the curb. He'd have to stuff it back in. And so I had to get over that fear. And, and the beautiful thing is, I've never needed a car. I've sold two or three cars for a dollar a piece, and I've never lacked for a car. So I've, I've discovered in my own finances, in a sense, that there's always another slice of the pie. I can count on God to provide what I need. I've, I've discovered it relationally as well, and I want the same for you. Uh, when I've taken those steps and I've loved someone and, and let go of the fear that there's going to be reciprocal, they're going to walk all over me, a lot of times I find the door opens and the relationship changes, okay? So scarcity and abundance. I hope you'll walk the path of abundance. Well, in light of this, let me ask some questions, all right? 
We always say at Generations, we're a church that asks questions rather than give you lists all the time of things to do. So here are my questions. In light of this passage from Matthew about flowers and the fact that you can count on God, in light of what John has to say, that fear and love are mutually exclusive and that fearful people drive out love and loving people drive out fear, in light of that, let me ask these questions. Is your perception of God shaped mostly by fear and anxiety? And if so, why? Is your perception of God shaped mostly by fear or and anxiety? Here's another question. Do you believe that God's love and provision is renewable and constantly expanding? Or do you believe that God, in fact, has limits? He only has the cattle on a thousand hills, and once those thousand hills are gone, they're gone. What do you believe about God's love and provision? And then lastly, if you're finding it difficult to love someone, what are you afraid of in that relationship? What are you afraid they're going to do or not do? I wanted to, to bring this winning over worry thing today, and I wanted to be much more practical than I was the first time. And so that's my real purpose in today. And so I've got a whole list of things that I've stolen shamelessly from another Max. His name is Max Lakato. He lives in California where it's warmer and sunny, which is maybe why he doesn't worry as much. I don't know, but <laughs> it's because he believes in God. All right, But I want to give you these very practical things, and maybe a couple of these will be things that you can latch on and go, I can do that. that that's going to be helpful for me. All right, So here's the first one. Pray first. I know you're going, duh. Well, no, wait a minute. When you're in the surgery rating room, instead of doing this thing, why don't you pray first? When you uh, get the statement from you know, the Roth IRA fund, and you want to cry... Instead of posting on Facebook, you know, Vanguard stinks, okay, and, and telling everybody how awful it is, why don't you pray first? Pray first instead of broadcasting how bad it is or whatnot. So there's the, there's the first practical thing, pray first. Second thing has to do with slowing down. And to that, I look to Mary, the mother of Jesus. There was this interchange, Jesus' first miracle, in fact. It was at a wedding reception, Mary was a prominent family member, I'm guessing, a part of this wedding, and something terrible happened. They ran out of wine. <gasps> in today's world, that would be the equivalent of the cake falling in on itself before the bride and groom cut it. I mean, this is just tragedy, okay? This is tragic. This is not good. We've run out of wine. <gasps> Panic, okay? We see from Mary, the mother of Jesus, not panic or fear or, oh my, what do we... She calmly goes to Jesus. She goes straight to her son. And she simply says, they have no wine. Literally, what she's doing is, hey, there's, there's a problem here. Here. <laughs> it's your problem now. Doesn't that feel good? You, when I do this and I'm talking to God, I will literally have my hands like this, like I'm holding it, and I will plunk it down in his lap. And I'll go, here you go, Jesus. It's your worry now. It's your car. I hope you fix your car, because I really need it to get to work. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay? It's a good feeling. Mary models that for us. Assess the problem. Take it to Jesus. State it clearly. All right? Here's, an, here's another practical thing about winning over worry. Act on it. When you have a mosquito on your arm in the summertime, do you go, 
man, there's a mosquito on my arm. I wonder what I should do here. You know, or do you get, you know, are you whacking it? Okay, right? Take that action into the realm of stuff that's causing you worry. If you're thinking, man, if you're going home every day, my boss doesn't think I'm doing a good job. I think my boss is going to fire me. I, my boss does not like me. I, the other day I ran into my boss and this is what they said. And blah, blah, blah. If that's you, sit down with your boss and say, boss, I'm, you know, I'm thinking maybe I'm not doing such a good job here. And then you'll know, because they'll either say, well, actually, you're right, we were going to fire you Friday, but today's now, you know, <laughs> boom. That gives Jesus an opportunity to give you a job, a better one, okay? But if not, then it quelches the fear. If your boss says, well, where do you get that idea? We love having you here. You've done a great job. Boom, boom. Then all of a sudden, you know, the fear is squelched and stuffed away, all right? Act on it. If you're concerned and you have that fretting thing, we're just never going to get out of debt. We're never going to get out of debt. We're never going to pay this off. It's never going to happen. Oh, oh, oh. I don't know if you get that frenzied, you know, okay? But talk to a Dave Ramsey counselor. Sit down with a financial planner. And again, they'll either go, yep, you better file for bankruptcy. Or, or they'll go, you know, in four years, you could be debt-free with this plan right here. Boom. How cool is that? Okay, so act on your fears. Here's another practical thing. Measure your worries. Um, this requires you and me to have a piece of paper in a given week or a given month, for those of you that are real, real anal and can track something for 30 days, okay? And I know you're nerds out there, some of you, okay? I'm not going to call you out, though. But uh, measure your worries, and this is how it works, all right? Some of you are like, mm -mm, okay. Measure your worries. You write down the things that are worrying you. You make the list, and at the end of the week, at the end of the month, you ask yourself, did the house really burn down? Was my job truly outsourced to somewhere in Asia? And then, you know, boom, a lot of times, a lot of your worries will prove to be kind of silly. Now, some of them aren't, because some of them are real concerns, right? But a lot of them won't, okay? So measure your worries. And then tied to that, once you have that list, evaluate your worries. Are there some themes that crop up regularly, like appearance? Are you fretting about your appearance and how you look a lot? Um, is it finances? Is it global news? Um, are there any obsessions? Are you worried about what people are thinking all the time? As you are looking at that list, if you see some themes, then you can take some steps and do something about it in your relationship with Jesus. All right? Uh, here's another practical thing. Unleash a worry army. You're like, what's that? There are some friends and loved ones that you have in your life that if you say, man, I'm really concerned that my job's going to be outsourced, would you pray? Boom. They go into action, and when they're on their way to work, or better, whenever they, God, man, Chris is, I want Chris to keep his job. Keep his job here. Keep that factory here. Da -da 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 -da. You're, you're praying for Chris, who shared the, the prayer requests, and all of a sudden, boom, Chris's stress level goes down. Your worry level goes down for you, the one that shared it, and the, your friend's joy level actually goes up. When somebody shares a prayer request with you, you usually don't see it as a burden, do you? You see it as an opportunity for God to work because you believe that for your friend. And so it's a win-win situation. Unleash a, a worry army. And then last but not least, create a grateful list. All right? And, I, and I, I have a lot of these suggestions because I know maybe one or two of them will, will hit with you, not all of them, okay? Don't try all of them. That's a lot. But create a gratitude list. Uh, I've been doing this lately this month. And this is, this is my mantra. I, I get up, uh, I get out, 
um, I'm out and about, and I, I'm, I have my Bible cracked open, and I'm like, God, I am so grateful for central heat. Central heat rocks, and I have central heat. When there's an ice storm, come on, and the power's been out five days, and then it comes back on, aren't you going, oh, God, hallelujah, woo I love central heat, see, but I have it all the time, and it's like it just blurs out of my mind. And so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for coffee. I have this coffee maker that if I set it the night before, before I even wake up, it goes, ping, and makes the coffee. I come downstairs, it's like magic. And it's there, and it's warm coffee. I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful I have a job. I'm gra- There's so many things. And when you have a grateful list, the, that gratitude and grateful list is like love. It kind of pushes out worry and anxiety. 